0: Let's play! I can't wait to be a grown-up. I get to eat cookies and don't have to go to bed early. Wait. You think that's the best part about being a grown-up? What's the best part of being a grown-up? Well, for one thing, you get to go to Women's Conference. What's Women's Conference? You know what Women's Conference is? Yes. Okay, it's my turn to play dolls. Let me show you. Welcome to Women's Conference! We are so excited you're here! I'm Barbie Coley, and you all know Barbie Jill, and Barbie Tanya! So, we have so much fun planned for you this weekend. Let's get started! Wow, Mom, that was awesome. Do you get to do that every year? Yeah, and when you become a grown-up, you can get to go to Women's Conference, too. That is one of the best parts of being a grown-up. I know. Hey, Mom, can we play Women's Conference again? You got it, babe. Um, You guys, we want to invite you to Women's Conference. This is an awesome opportunity for you to be with women. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to gather. We're going to hear God's word. Uh, This is an opportunity for you to encounter the Holy Spirit. We're praying that the Holy Spirit would unleash his power in us uh, to do more and be more than we could ever do on our own. And so I want to invite you to that. We gave you a few. I think we gave you two. Uh, We know that you have more friends than two people. And so if you're like, holy, I want 20, I want to invite my whole women's volleyball team. Great. We have a whole stack out in the lobby. Uh, but what we want is we want you to pray about who you would invite because this is a chance to bring women into community who do not have community. So if you have people in your life that are struggling, that are lost, Women's Conference is a great way for them to get a taste of what we do. It's like an extended Bible study where we, we spend time together in God's word and we enjoy fellowship with one another. So want to encourage you. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, it really does help us if you sign up early so we can make sure that you... Get a special gift because we order gifts in little bags and stuff for you. So it helps us if we know for sure you're coming. Um, and if you have any trouble signing up, or if you're someone that doesn't do computers, uh, we can help you in the back. We do have paper sign up. So um, let us know. But sign up today. Think about who you want to bring. Uh, it's gonna be fun. It's March 24th and 25th. So mark your calendar. Um, Friends, welcome. Um, Every single week, we take an offering at Women's Bible Study. Uh, It helps us pay for all the supplies, and so at your table, your leader will pass around a little envelope. Uh, Please feel no obligation to give. Uh, This just helps contribute to the ministry, and so thank you so much for all of those that do give. Uh, It blesses us here at Christian Assembly. Um, Friends, you probably didn't know this, but yesterday was one of my favorite holidays, Valentine's Day, A day to celebrate women. And I love that holiday, and we're gonna talk more about it today. Uh, But Steph and I made you a little Valentine's card that we wanted to share with you. Mm -hmm. Working hard to make Valentine's Day special for you. Uh, But Steph and I, We're excited to welcome a little baby into the world. Um, I am currently 13 weeks, and we just started announcing this week, so now it's open, now we can celebrate. Some of you have been coming up to me for weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Tanya started calling me mama like two months ago before I even told her, and I was like, what the heck? Um, But in honor of Valentine's Day, because you guys are my gal pals, I I get to do the gender reveal with you. Is that okay? So I need you to raise your hand if you think it's a boy. Oh, confidence standing up. Okay, I need you to raise your hand if you think it's a girl. Okay, okay, ready? Drum roll. What do you think it is? Someone said twins. Oh, yeah. ah! Look at how little that is. Steph and I are having a little baby girl. My due date's August 17th, so. Thanks friends, thanks friends. I've been, I've been calling her Little Lemon because I think Lemon is the size that she is this week. So she's my Little Lemon. So just wanted to let you know you will all be up for auntie duty in August. So start to clear your schedules. It'll be a donation volunteer system. <laughs> uh, but we're excited to welcome a little baby girl into the world. Um, and on that note, I'm gonna pray for us because today we're gonna talk about the gift of friendship how deep it is, how deep the love of God is, and as a community of women, what we're actually invited into in that. So will you bow your heads, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, friendship is such a gift, Father. It's something we're gonna explore today, Lord, but your, your ways are marvelous and mysterious and beyond our ways, Lord, and today we're gonna see a story of friendship and the true meaning of love, Father. And so I pray that every woman in this room would experience the deep love of Jesus. Not a love that's of this world, Lord, but that's so far beyond. The love that you died to lavish on us, Father. I pray that for each woman here today, Lord, that they would have a sense, uh, just a deeper understanding of how much you truly love them and see them and know them, Father. So we pray that you'd be with us today. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you reveal anything about yourself that you want us to know, Father? And would we leave knowing you more intimately, Father. So we praise your holy name. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, friends, truly, though, happy Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. I've been single most of my life, so I rarely ever had a Valentine date, so I just decided as a party person I was just going to always celebrate all my gal pals, and so I've celebrated every Valentine's Day that I can ever remember, um, and it's just a chance for me to say, hey, friends, I love you. We're in this together, um, and it's yesterday when we were reading John 13, and I was prepping for the message. It really struck me about the kind of love Jesus was talking about. Now, when we think about love, when we think about Valentine's Day, our culture can tend to glorify romantic love, right? Like we grow up as girls watching Disney princesses and thinking, if only I found my prince, then I'll be fulfilled right? We celebrate it, we overemphasize it, and then sometimes we're in the church, we can sometimes overemphasize familial love, right? It's all about my family, it's the main unit, it's above everything else, right? So we have this romantic love in the world, we have family love in the church, and when I was reading this story for, I don't know, maybe the 50th time, it really struck me that Jesus' last supper was not with a romantic partner, and was not with his family, but was with his friends, and when I think about if I were to have one more supper, I was thinking about who I would want at my table. And instantly I thought, well, yeah, I would, I would want my parents there. I'd want my siblings there. I want my like, nieces and nephews. I definitely want my husband there. Like, I was thinking I would tend towards those other kind of loves. But that's not what Jesus did. Mary and Joseph were not at the last supper table with Jesus. And so today we're going to explore what did it mean that Jesus' primary example of love The deepest kind of love you can know, the kind that we exalt that Jesus died for, was given first to his friends and shown first to his friends. I think there is immense value in Christian community that sometimes we can overlook. But we see here in the Last Supper that that was the love that Jesus wanted to put on display. These are my friends, and I'm going to love them until the end. So that's what we're gonna explore today, what real love looks like. And so if you're, gonna, if you're following along, you can follow in your book, or you can follow along in the screens with me. We're diving right in uh, to John 13. And this is what it says. John 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, "Lord." do you wash my feet? And Jesus said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And so today we're gonna explore three invitations that I believe the Lord gives us of how to love like Jesus and how to be a friend like Jesus. And the first one is being a friend like Jesus means serving. Now we all know this, right? We all know that we're supposed to love and serve one another and yet it's so easy, for myself at least, to want to be served, to go into places and want things to be comfortable for me to go the way I want them to go. I think in our culture especially, we really exalt people that are weighted on hand and foot. Oh, how nice must it be to have your own private jet, your own butler, you don't have to do anything, right? That's kind of what we we glorify that in our society. I didn't do anything, everyone just took care of me and it was great, I was so pampered. And this is not the example that Jesus sets. And so think about where Jesus is at. Jesus is having dinner with his motley crew of, uh, Acts 4.13 says they were unschooled ordinary men. These were not superstars, these were actually fishermen, a lot of them, which means they were probably kind of stinky, I mean if that's their day to day job, they're like dealing with fish guts and stuff, like this is not a pleasant crew, this is not the cream of the crop, Jesus is dealing with just ordinary, maybe smelly men, right? And what happened in that culture is that the lowest person in the community or the standing or the household would always be the one to wash the feet, because dirty feet were a sign of disrespect, in the Jewish culture cleanliness was important. So whenever you would go into someone's house, the lowest person would wash everyone's feet so that everybody was clean. So Jesus is sitting with his stinky, smelly fisherman friends, those who he's chosen, and nobody nobody, they were arguing about who would be the greatest. Nobody got up and took the lowest position and said, I'll wash everyone's feet so this house is clean. And Jesus knows that. And he's smelling it and he's watching it. They're arguing, who's going to be the greatest? And he's looking around. And he says, no, one, no one's willing to humble themselves to do what needs to be done. And so Jesus, he gets up he takes off his outer garment. This is a foreshadow, a sign that he will take off his divinity to become human, to die for us on the cross, and he wraps the garment around him, and then he goes around to each disciple's feet, and he washes them down in his hands and feet, and Peter, Peter, I think we've heard this story so many times, it doesn't strike us, we're like, yeah, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. This would have been unheard of in their time. Nobody who's a rabbi, a teacher, a master would ever, ever be expected to touch other people's feet or do that job. And so when he gets to Peter, Peter says, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but one day you will. You will afterwards. And then he says, well, not just, not just my feet, my whole body. And Jesus says, you only need to bathe once. And what Jesus was meaning is he's saying, once you believe in me, once you are baptized, once you are cleansed, that's a one and done experience. You don't get baptized every week for a spiritual high or to be clean again. You only need to get baptized once. When you believe in me, I will cleanse you from your sins. However, because we're human, we have a tendency to keep walking through the mud. And so he says, you need to keep washing your feet. You need to keep confessing your sins because you are cleansed, but that doesn't mean sin doesn't cling to you and follow you, and you need to confess and repent. That's what Jesus did when he washed their feet. He says, I'm washing away your sins. Jesus humbled himself to wash away their sins. And I wonder what that would look like for us in our own context. The reality is it's probably not going to be washing feet, right? Right? That doesn't make sense in our culture, in our context. But what would it look like for us as disciples in our community to humble ourselves to serve other people, to serve our community, to serve our coworkers, to serve our family? I'm hesitant to even say family because I feel like women so naturally take a role of servant in their family. But so I want to focus it a little bit on the context of friendships. What would it look like for you to serve the people in your community? to serve your Bible study table, to serve your life group, to serve your neighbors, to serve those on the PTA, what would it look like for you to bow yourself down? You see, Jesus could do this because Jesus knew who he was. When we were going through soap this week, uh, we read the scripture, you observe it, you apply it, and then you pray about it. And I always ask the Holy Spirit, will you, will you refresh in me or highlight what verse do you want me to ho- hover on or focus on? And the verse that he highlighted for me was verse three. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and was going to God, rose from supper. You see, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus wasn't serving to get an applause. He wasn't doing it to earn the favor of others. He wasn't hoping that they liked him more or maybe that he'd be their favorite. Jesus didn't serve out of any hope or need of others. Jesus served because he knew exactly who he was. Do we know exactly who we are? Do you know that you were established and rooted in love? Do you know that when you receive Jesus, you are a whole new creation? The old is gone, the new has come. And do you know that when you believe in Jesus, there is a place for you that God has gone ahead to prepare a place for you in heaven? When we know who we are in Christ, it allows us the position to serve others. Not out of a need, I need to serve because I need to be loved and appreciated and valued. But no, I get to serve because Jesus has already served me and I have enough. I am enough. I don't need your praise, I don't need your admiration. I'm serving because I want to show you the love of the Father. Matthew 28-12 says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so I wonder for you in your own context, in your own situation, what does it look like for you to humble yourself this week? Maybe it's not being right with a friend. Maybe it's giving in to what somebody else wants more than you. Maybe it's being quiet when someone else really needs the floor to share. Maybe it's offering to help a neighbor with something that they can't do on their own, it often comes at a cost to us. That's what Jesus did. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus shows us the ultimate example of friendship in that he didn't take his status and position and lord it over others and yell at the disciples, why have none of you cleaned my feet yet? That's your job. He said, I'm gonna do the hardest job and I want you to follow after me. Jesus invites us to be humble and to serve others. And so for you, what would that look like this week? Continuing on in the passage, John 13, 18 says, Jesus says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side, and so Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So the disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, "'Lord, who is it?' Jesus answered, it is, "'It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread "'when I have dipped it.' So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him, and Jesus said to him, "'What you are going to do, do quickly.'" Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Second lesson we learn, ladies, is not an easy one, but being a friend like Jesus means forgiving. It means forgiving. Have any of you ever been betrayed? I ask that as a simple question, knowing that each of us here has been betrayed. It doesn't take long on earth to realize that broken people will hurt you. And I think if we're real honest, I think it's pretty easy to see that we've all betrayed somebody, someone or multiple people in our lives as well. It's part of the fall. It's part of being human. We all experience betrayal. We all experience pain. We all experience suffering. And if we're honest, we're also the cause of that at times for others. And Jesus, here's Jesus, he gets up and he washes the disciples' feet and we know that he knows all things that are gonna happen and he knows that Judas Iscariot is about to betray him, right? And I think about how would I have felt in that moment when I got to Judas's feet? Would I have washed them or would I have passed by him? Would I have called Judas out would I have avoided him? Would I have told other disciples, one of you here is not worthy to be here? No, Jesus didn't do any of these things. In fact, the scenes kind of sets it up that John is laying on Jesus's side. And Simon Peter, when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, the reality is not a single person in that crew who knew, knew who Jesus was talking about. They all begin to wonder, is he talking about me? Could it be me? Is it you? Nobody knew it was Judas. They all had the honest, gut-wrenching, could it be me? Because when we're real with ourselves, we know all of us have betrayed Jesus. All of us have gone to safer, greener, more comfortable pastures when it comes to Jesus, if we serve ourselves or Jesus. All of us have betrayed Jesus, and the disciples knew that. And so Simon Peter said, John, ask ask him who he's talking about. And the way I see this scene go down is that Simon Peter motions to him, and John, who's laying on the shoulder of Jesus, turns over and he whispers in Jesus' ear, who are you talking about? And Jesus whispers back to him, it's the one I'm about to give the bread to. He doesn't call it out. He doesn't shame him. He doesn't say, this one is the worst among you. He's about to be betrayed by this man. And what does Jesus do? He loves him to the end. He forgives him. And when I was praying about this message today, something resonated in my heart is that forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we have to do as Christians, but it's also one of the most liberating things we get to do because of Jesus. Only because Jesus has forgiven us can we forgive others and if we have not received that forgiveness friends it's nearly impossible to forgive somebody else so i was praying about it this morning and i kind of saw like this peak and some of us are on this train where we're, we're trying so hard to forgive others, and we're trying so hard to believe that we're actually forgiven. And Satan does not want us to know that our sins have been washed, that they're removed as far as the east is from the rest, right? That's Satan's whole tactic. If he can get you to feel guilty about what you did or what's happened to you at any point in your life, it, it blocks us from the freedom of forgiveness. And so we struggle on this path, and some of us are, are so close to receiving the forgiveness of God, so close to getting over the hump that then we can start forgiving others. But until we receive God's forgiveness of us and we accept it and we, and we believe it, we cannot forgive others. And what Satan knows is that when we don't forgive others, our heart gets hard and dark and bitterness grows, and resentment grows, and hatred grows, and anger grows, and evil grows in us when we refuse to forgive. So Satan's greatest tactic is to keep us from ever believing that we're actually forgiven, that Jesus actually died for your sins and my sins in their entirety, not the pretty version, the real version. And so Jesus shows us, Jesus says, I want you to do what I have done. Jesus loved Judas Iscariot till the end, and he forgave him. And I wonder for us in our lives, if we're honest, who we are unwilling to forgive. Who is caught in our heart or our throat or our mind, and we think that's impossible. There's no way I could ever forgive them. And I don't want to make this a trite thing. Some of you have been through immeasurably horrible tragedies, and I'm not making light of any of those, but what I do know is that unforgiveness in us festers. It's like a poison that continues to grow, and until we're able to release that person to God, we're the ones that suffer. That's why forgiveness is so important. That's why Jesus went to the cross, went to hell, on our behalf and said, I'm going here so you don't have to go. I'm forgiving you so you don't have to experience this. That's how much I love you. I'm taking the full penalty so that you can be washed white as snow. Will you receive me? Will you receive me? Jesus, in a verse later on, says this, Matthew six fifteen, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. It's a hard verse. It's hard, right? But Jesus knows, in Jesus' ultimate love, the truest form of love, he knows that you and I will not be free until we receive his forgiveness and then pass it on to others. A forgiveness that we didn't earn. We're not good enough to get. Jesus just gave it to us in his grace. He says, I'm giving you this check, an unlimited check. All your sins are forgiven, and that unlimited check, you have the ability to go and set other people free with my forgiveness for them, not your forgiveness. It's me forgiving you. That unlocks you to forgive others. My sister uh, is a pastor in Minneapolis, and she was out here last week, and she told me that she recently uh, heard a story from a woman, a woman who lives in northern Minneapolis whose son was shot uh, when he was 18 years old, and the, bo- the man, the young boy who shot her son uh, was convicted and went to jail. And this woman was a believer, and she, she prayed to the Lord. She said, Jesus, help me to forgive this man who took my son. And so she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. And the Lord allowed her to forgive the man who shot her son. And so the man was in jail for 25 years, and the day he got out, she sought him out, and she said, I want you to know, because of the love of Jesus, I forgive you. This man was so overwhelmed at the forgiveness that she offered that he said, how can this be possible? How can you forgive me? I just served 20, I took your son's life. And she said, only through Jesus is this possible. And this man came to believe in Jesus. And now this woman calls this man who shot her son, she calls him son. And what they do is they travel all over Minneapolis and they talk about the power of forgiveness. Friends, this is not something we can do on our own. Do not hear me say you need to pull up your bootstraps and just forgive. We need to receive the forgiveness of the Father and ask Jesus, how do I even begin to forgive what has happened to me? And Jesus does that work in his power, and his love. He does that through us. God wants to set you free. God wants you to forgive because he knows if you don't, it'll trap your soul. It'll harden your heart. And we can see that so clearly in the two disciples. There's two disciples that are about to betray him. We're going to find that out. But Judas Iscariot betrays him. And later on, we'll see next, Simon Peter is about to betray him. One of them does not receive the forgiveness of Jesus and ends up committing suicide after he betrays Jesus. And one of them receives the forgiveness of Jesus and ends up being the rock of the church. Friends, we have a choice Will you receive the forgiveness of Jesus over your sins? Because only when your sins are washed clean will you realize that it wasn't by a work of your own, and it's not a work of your own for you to forgive others. Who is the Lord inviting you to forgive for your own healing this week? Carrying on to the end of our passage. Um, let's see where my notes are. I got so intense that I think I missed a page. Um, John thirteen thirty one. Uh, when he had gone out, that's Judas Iscarius, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. The third thing we see about being a friend like Jesus, it means dying to ourselves. Being a friend like Jesus means dying to ourselves. This is a hard one for us, but I think when I first discovered Jesus, it became one of the most beautiful invitations to me. When I finally started to see my sin for what it was and how selfish I was and how needy I was and how I only wanted what I thought would make me happy and I was grasping at all these things that I thought would give me life and value and meaning and love, it was when I recognized that there was all a lie that I felt this freedom to actually surrender to God and say, you're right. Uh, I'm done living for myself. It's so miserable. I found a pit of depression trying to serve myself. So God, have my life. Do with it what you want. You see, Jesus gives a new command. Did you catch what the new command was? Because in the old law, it was said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The disciples would have known this. They would have memorized it since they were probably four years old. But this is the new commandment. It says, uh, I give to you so that you love one another just as I have loved you. No longer is it love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Dying to yourself. Giving up yourself. Laying your life down for somebody else. That's a new commandment. That's only possible through Jesus Christ. No longer is it about treating someone the same as you. It's about saying, no, I I want to serve you. I want to put you ahead of me. I'm going to die to what I want. I'm going to die to my desires. I'm going to die to my hopes and dreams so that you may experience the love of God. If any of you have friends that are good at self-sacrifice, you know them. They stand out in your mind. It's rare to see women and men who serve others, who give up their own agenda, schedule, time to love somebody more than themselves. It's notable. And that's what Jesus says. He says, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Friends, this is the true test of if you and I are following Jesus. If we are not loving others as Jesus, to the world we can come off as hypocrites, people who are just checking a Christian box, waving flags about what we believe and don't believe. If there's no love, Jesus says, that's the only fruit I'm looking for. People don't want to follow political agendas. People don't want to follow your moral right and wrong. People want to know that there's a love out there that's big enough to encapsulate them. And they're only going to know that through you and the way you love others. How are you doing at dying to yourself? This one's a hard one especially when we live in a culture that says, no, 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 you get you. You do what you want. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to be? You've earned it. You deserve it. This is all about you. Make it about you. This is the complete opposite of what Jesus says. Jesus says, where is that little verse that I found? Matthew 16:25 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then the last one, John 15, 13, says this, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Notice that it doesn't say to lay down one's life for one's spouse, to lay down one's life for one's kids, to lay down one's life for one's parents. No. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, you and I don't get to pick our families. We don't get to choose the people that we come from, but we get to choose our friends. We get to choose who we do life with. We get to choose how we love them, who we invest in, how we do life with them. And Jesus' model at the Last Supper was that I have chosen these men and I will love them until the end. Even the ones who are gonna betray me, I will forgive them. Who is the Lord inviting you in your community, in your life, in your friend group, to love till the end? This was Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. This was his ultimate model of love. And so this week, I wonder, where is God inviting you to die to yourself? Where is God inviting you to surrender? Where does God want to produce in you the love that only he can create that the whole world is going to see and know? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your love is out of this world, God. We really can't, God, we can't fathom it or understand it, Lord, I thank you that you're a God that can't be fully understood, Lord. It gives us space for awe and wonder, Lord, to marvel at you, that you would come and you would die for us, Lord. Even though we betray you, sometimes day after day, Lord, that you still love us and you offer us your salvation and your forgiveness and your mercy and your compassion, Lord. Sometimes it's more than we can even comprehend in our minds, Lord. And so today, Lord, we just invite you right now that you would do a work in us, Father, that you would minister to us. And so I'm going to just pray three simple prayers. And Lord Jesus, would you speak to each woman's heart here, Father? Lord Jesus, the first prayer we ask is, what would it look like for me to humble myself to serve this week? Who would you invite me to serve and what does that look like? The second prayer we pray is, Lord Jesus, would you help me to receive your forgiveness? God, I want to be someone who forgives others, Lord. Would I be able to receive your forgiveness so that the power of your forgiveness would extend to others in my life? Father, who do you invite me to forgive this week, God, for my healing, for my goodness, because you're a good God who knows me? Lord, would you show me what that looks like? And lastly, Lord, we just ask in prayer, God, where are you inviting me to die to myself? Where have I been so blind seeking to serve myself or live for myself that I've missed the purpose, Lord, for me to love others with your love, God? What would it look like for me to surrender my life to you this week, God? Where would you invite me to let go? Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that your love is enough, God. So I pray for each woman here that she would feel rooted and established in love, Lord, that she would know at the depth of her being that you died to give her your love, Lord, and that's the truest, most real thing about her, regardless of what she feels, regardless of what she's lived through, regardless of what she thinks even, Lord, that the truth about each woman in this room is that she is loved, Father. And Lord, we pray that we would live out of that truth, a love that we can't understand, God. Would you fill us now to overflow because of your goodness, because of your power, because you are the one and only God. Lord, we confess we are not God. We cannot fix ourselves. We cannot heal ourselves. Lord, only you can. So we invite you now, God, to pour out your love on us, Lord. Would we be ambassadors of your love, Father? Would we love others the way that you did, Father? That's our prayer and our heart cry this week, Lord. Help us to do it by the power and the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.